Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. Um, we have a special guest speaking this morning. Um, topic of wisdom, so who else should we call on? Andrew Starr. Um, for those who are, if you wouldn't mind coming up in your own time. Um, uh, for those who, who are fairly new to the church, uh, Andrew and Sarah were part of, our, uh, part of our church for quite a few years. They left once to go to Kazakhstan and uh, do a wonderful ministry there. Um, and then they came back and then they left again. Uh, to go and, um, and plant a church in Hornsby, Viva Vineyard, um, where they are uh, now the pastors. It's a joy to have you here, Andrew. Is there anything else you want to say about yourself? Nothing that's true. <laughs> you have kids? I have kids, yeah. Yeah? Um, probably the thing that's changed my life more than Jesus was getting a border collie puppy, so... <laughs> Kids and a border collie. Um, anyone offering prayer for that at the end? Okay. That'd be amazing. Well, pray for it now. Lord, um, I thank you for Andrew and Sarah and their family, and I pray your blessing and protection on them. And, um, and Lord, as, uh, as Andrew speaks to us this morning, I pray that we would have ears to hear what you would have us hear and what we would learn. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Lou. Thank you. All right. It's always encouraging when the scripture you have is the scripture that's used. Thanks, Kath. I don't know. That was good. Uh, Good morning. Um, It's great to be back at Northridge. I miss the light in my eyes. It's always an exciting thing, isn't it? Um, It feels like years since I've been here. That's because it is. Yeah, it's it's been a long time. Um, uh, Just a little bit of turbulence on this particular flight, isn't there? Just a few things going on. Um, it's quite a season. Um, provokes uneasy conversations with your kids, to say the least, doesn't it? Um, how are you? How have the past couple of years been for you? Peachy, that's awesome. Um, Rob's asked me to continue on with this wisdom series, and yeah, you would ask why, but. Um, Anyway, so, and I'm speaking on the topic of wisdom and reputation. And he added that people would love to get an update about what's happening at your church. And uh, I thought about that. And I thought about those two things. Um, And I thought how well they sat together. And perhaps God had arranged something that he wanted to do in me in the preparation and delivery of this talk and also something that he might want to do in our midst this morning. So, um, A few weeks ago, someone came to visit us at Viva. Uh, Currently, we meet in person at Story Park Community Centre in Asquith at 4.30. Now, visitors are rare. Now, they're not as rare as koala sightings, but neither are they as common as possums. That has always been the case, and I don't know why that is the case. 
I did change deodorant at some point, um, but that doesn't seem to have changed anything. Um, so the, the visitor arrived at uh, around 4.30, and we arced the chairs out and spaced them, and uh, a few people were scattered through the room, a few people were having tea and coffee, and I went up to the visitor and started to talk to the visitor, knowing the visitor to some degree. And that was fine. And uh, I tried not to be too enthusiastic and scare the kids. Um, but I think I did scare them. Um, and then someone else came up and started chatting to the visitor, and my wife joined that conversation, so I exited the conversation and went to the tea and coffee to see some other familiar faces. We did the church thing. Uh, church began, church... We did worship, the kids went out, and there, we do a, a funny little thing now. We no longer have a sermon, so this is nice, but um, we do the midweek podcasting, and then we just discuss what, how God has impacted us through that talk, which, as you can imagine, for introverted visitors, is very comfortable. <laughs> it's working really well. Um, and uh, you really want to visit now. Um, anyway, the, the Holy Spirit was clearly at work in this visitor, and the minister too, and that was nice and good. Um, church ended, we packed up, the kids finished up, we headed home, we had dinner, we got the kids into, wrangled the dog and the, the kids into bed. Um, then we debriefed a little, and I, I, I said to my wife, who I'm grieved is not here with us, but she's with the Border Collie. Um, and uh, anyway, I said to her, how was it by talking to the koala, a visitor? And uh, she said, oh, it, was, it was good. Um, and then she looked at me, she said, you know, you know, they did say one thing. Oh. Yeah, um, afterwards we'd, we chatted briefly and, um, and this visitor uh, looked around at the empty chairs and said, um, is this all there is? Now, I don't need to describe the pain on my wife's face as she recounted that visitor's question. Now, we've been at this church planning thing for years, and we were as a community of Northridge, and now we've become an independent vineyard church. And thousands of hours and effort and prayer and meals and witness, etc., etc., have gone into this little thing. And what is there to show for it? Is this all there is? Indeed. Now, it's rare that people are that direct, isn't it? Unless they're on the internet. <laughs> yeah, if they're trolling, they're more direct, even. And we can understand why it's rare that people are that direct, right? I mean, is this all there is, is a question that cuts right to the chase. What is your life amounting to? Is God's favour on your life, or isn't it? Do you, in the words of John Eldridge, have what it takes? So when Rob invited me to speak at Northridge and give an update, I had a bunch of different emotional responses, but one of them, probably the strongest, was that of shame. Uh, speaking at Northridge, that's the moment when an auditorium of people look at me and be asking their heads, what's that church up to? Does that guy have what it takes? Was he a success or not? And then I'll have a choice at that point to come clean or to obfuscate 
which is one of those words, which is a beautiful word, obfuscate, right? It just means exactly what it means. I mean, it sounds exactly what it means. What does that mean? Exactly. That's what obfuscate means. And there's this thing called Christian spin, and that's very popular. And so what I need to do is I need to bedazzle you with a whole conversation around agency, God's agency and mystery and patience and covert and blur and season. And, and you'll kind of hit this amorphous wall of, that feels okay. And it'll be all in this effort to ensure that no one asks, is that all there is? And you think about the energy and the particular churn involved in that. And all of it so I don't get found out. Is this all there is can be a question that can really haunt us, can't it? So do you have an equivalent in your life? Maybe it's that little quiet conversation starter at morning tea after church. So how are things on the job front? Oh, I heard your partner was up the coast for a couple of weeks. Did Johnny end up graduating this year? Um, how'd the audition go? How's the business? Where are you guys sending your kids to high school? What are your holiday plans? Got any new leads this week? Have you ever heard God's voice? How's Katie? And these are just a few possibilities, right? So you probably know your, is this all there is? We all carry them. They're just different given our circumstances, aren't they? And we all carry shame about being found out that someone will find out that there's nothing. More accurately, that someone will find out that we're not who they thought we were. Now, obviously, the thing that we build and brandish ruthlessly to stop that shame and fear from being found out is the topic of this sermon, reputation. If we can get people thinking well about us, the logic goes, they'll probably never, ever get to asking that very, very direct question, is this all there is? It would take someone actually visiting church, it would take someone asking me directly about my sales figures, it would take someone cornering me about my kids' schooling or my marriage before I'd have to ever get specific. My reputation, if I can build it successfully, can protect me. My reputation will ensure that people will assume church plant's going wonderfully, that my sales figures are up, or that my partner's time up the coast was just kind of a spiritual retreat. Everything's fine. Has nothing to do with the fact that our marriage is crumbling. (laughs) That Johnny, of course, graduated with distinction. That, of course, recruiters are headhunting me. That we'll be holidaying twice in Europe this year. And that I hear God audibly every day. Thanks for asking. If I can retain that reputation, I'll be fine. So the texts Rob gave for me today come from Proverbs. Um, First one is from Proverbs 22. And it says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. So I'll read that again because it's short. A good name is more desirable than great riches. 
To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. And then Proverbs 31.23. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. A good name, eh? Esteem, yes. Respect, yes. I mean, I suspect that if you're terrified by the question or your version of the question, is that all there is, if you're like, that, like me, then you'll wholeheartedly nod along with these verses. Damn straight, man. A good name is damn good. Like reputation, woohoo. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, these things will protect me from ever being found out that I am the lesser, not a successful self than you think I am. Great, I definitely need a good name. I love what the Bible says. But is that what God's doing in this verse? Is that what he's encouraging? He's saying, Andrew, particularly verse, the first one, right? A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. He's like, Andrew, don't be a stupid Russian oligarch, okay? Don't just go for the money. Don't, I mean, seriously, don't, don't go for the money. Build, build your name. Don't matter how you do it, just build your name. All right, yeah, I know, oh, man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a money guy. I'm a name guy. Look at me. Like, is that what God's getting at? Um, well, if I put it like that, that, the answer seems obvious, doesn't it? But in real life, it's anything but obvious, I would argue. So does God care about your reputation? How would you answer that? How about this question? Is God going to protect the very thing that you're using to hide behind to ensure your failure and shame are hidden? I'm getting a shake from Harry. You've clearly read the cheat sheet, mate. No, quite the opposite. God is going to come after your reputation, if that's what you're using to hide your fear and shame, and tear it down to expose you. Why? Because he wants you to live free and at peace. He loves you too much to leave you. If my well-being and vitality and sense of identity and are welded to my reputation, what others think of me, I am in terrible trouble. Terrible trouble. This is not abundant lifetime. This is the opposite of abundant life. If my identity, well-being, are welded to my reputation. And we know this, right, that fundamentally, reputation is something that someone bestows on you. And just as you have it bestowed on you, that person can remove it or change it at their whim, right? That's the nature of reputation. And trying to control what others bestow on you is intensely exhausting, is it not? It's like herding, I was going to say herding cats, but it's like herding border collies. It's also, and I'm a professional marketer, so I understand this, it's also something that our culture is intensely obsessed with. 
If you could, if social media isn't about trying to control what others bestow on you, I don't know what it's about. Maybe I've got something wrong there, but that's my reading on it. But you see, Jesus wades into our churn and our sleeplessness and our push and our pull, and, and he takes out his little toolkit, and you can imagine a surgeon, I don't care whatever you want to go for, a, a hammer, I don't mind, um, and he begins destroying our obsession with our reputation. Comes after it. And he's more than willing to use dynamite. He can use church plant failure. He can use marriage failure. He can use kids gone crooked, failed sales pitch, whatever. He knows what, how to get to you. He has your number. Now, I'm not saying he's going to he's cause those things. I'm not saying that. Don't, don't, don't say that. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going there. I'm not having the whole theological tiz about that. I'm just saying that he will use it. He will use it. And when we find that thing that we have welded our reputation to, that welded our, our identity to, when we find that thing crumbling about us, you know, you have it in those action movies, right? I think my kids were watching Avengers or something last night, and there was some, some, something, some cataclysmic something had happened, and the, you know, the, the truck's trying to drive away from the cataclysmic thing, and the earth's just kind of like, you know, following. You know when you get that feeling in life? I'm just running, and everything around me is just kind of crumbling. I need to get away. When we're in that time where everything is crumbling around us, when that thing that we have built our identity on is crumbling around us, we have a choice to build a bigger wall, to hide our shame, or come clean. We could actually come clean. Jesus went naked to the cross. He's just kind of, he's done the, the lion's work, hasn't he? He's just asking you to just, well, just come clean. So it is a humbling thing to you know, come back to the church that's sent us to report that more or less, we as a church, I mean, I, I put in this, in this original draft I shared with Sarah, I said, we're on a ventilator. And she's like, that's a little visceral and perhaps a little hyperbolic. And well, it's a good image in the post-COVID space. But, um, like, it's, we're, we're struggling. We went out with high hopes and calling and all that, and a certain reputation, I believe, and much of those things are in tatters. But it's also a very freeing thing to say, isn't it? Honey, we're on a ventilator! And, uh, and to know that the sting of that has passed, right? Like... That's the thing, right? And that's the difference. When you've come clean, the sting goes, right? That's the difference. It's not that the situation changes necessarily, but the sting goes. And that's when you can sense the shift in, that, in what you're gripping with your heart, right? So, that, and now, the, the fact that that's gone, that, that, that's a testimony to God's work in me in terms of sifting. Um, and I've been around the block long enough to know that that is just one of many laps, but... It, is, it still doesn't, denote, uh, doesn't deny the fact that it's actually a work of God. That's how God does his thing in our hearts, isn't it? So. Um, so, think for a moment about your thing. Uh, what might it feel to come clean about the thing that you've been hiding behind your reputation? 
How might that feel for you to come clean? If you can, get past the initial terror and think beyond the initial terror and wonder what might be beyond that. The gospel is good news, right? Yeah. <laughs> we should get you up here, man. What might it feel like to come clean about the thing you're hiding behind your reputation? Okay, so before I close, I guess there is another question to be asked of these texts. But surely God cares about respecting me as a person of integrity. I'm, I mean, that must be important to my witness. So that's, that's, that's a question, I guess. And I guess my, my response to that would be, I think God cares about us living lives of integrity. In fact, I'm sure. The Bible is on that, right? Live a life of integrity. Uh, live wholeheartedly all the way out, in, in, inside out, and um, it's, it's incredibly important. But what people make of your integrous living is incredibly fickle, right? Incredibly fickle. Now, God sometimes uses people of integrity and and works them into positions of incredible influence. And looking around the room, you guys, there are a bunch of people here with that track record. Yes, I have or I am a person of great integrity and influence as a result of where God's placed me. I know that's part of the Northridge story, people being in those positions. That's part of the biblical story. God does that. But I also think that he sometimes lets his people of integrity get crucified by the crowd. He does both, and you can see the seasons in Jesus' life, right? He grows up as a boy, and it says he found favor with God and man, and then something went mess, kind of different towards the end. <laughs> and Jesus just did, he was just steady. He's like, well, I'm, I'm with Dad. We're about the kingdom, and if people love that, that's awesome. And if they don't, I'm with, I'm with Dad, and we're about the kingdom. And he rolled with it. And he didn't back down when that came. He just, I'm Jesus, and I'm with Dad, and I'm about the kingdom. That was him. And so, but the crowd is very fickle. Because wisdom begins with the fear of God, wisdom recognizes that reputation is something bestowed on us by people and also by God. Wisdom trusts our reputation to God and not to people. And wisdom ultimately finds liberation caring only for what name God has and will bestow upon us. And the best counsel found in Scripture about the place of wisdom and reputation is Philippians 2. And as I read, I'm going to read it again. And uh, just when you hear the word name, think reputation. So this is Paul, and he says, "In In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Is that all there is? Yeah, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, our lives are to mirror, you know, there's this word cruciformity, right? Our lives are to mirror Christ's cruciformity. And I don't know if that's been told you, but hey, welcome to the kingdom. Our lives are to mirror Christ's cruciformity. Don't expect anything else. When we grasp for reputation, we end up anxious and exhausted. And when we release it entirely to God, we find the peace and the pleasure of Christ. And Jesus has promised, if we seek to make his name great, not ours, that on that final day we will in some incredible way join with the honor and joy of Jesus as he is exalted by every knee and tongue in all creation. And that will make trending on LinkedIn look somewhat less significant. So do you feel the, do you feel the weight of that arc, that cruciformity? That's the roadmap for every disciple. No one gets out alive and no one avoids the cross. In fact, Jesus said, take your cross up daily. And I don't know if you do a weights rate regime, but you might have a daily weights regime. And I think that's the daily weights regime that Jesus has assigned to us so that when these points in our lives of real death, of reputation and dreams and relationships, stuff we really value, when that dies because we've been doing it daily, we're somehow prepared for that cross-shaped moment. So, this morning, what is God saying to you? Let's start with the money. If you're choosing riches over living with integrity, stop it. Don't be stupid. It's not going to end well, okay? And I know it looks like, you know, you got to, hey, hey, I'm, just for now, okay? Just for now. Just need to get this financial stuff sorted out, and just for now. I get it. No, you're being an idiot, and it's not going to be just for now. So, very simple, you just ask God, you can go to the cross or something, I don't mind. Just ask God for help, confess your stupidity, as you're dealing with stupid people, and trust him to provide. That's the pastoral message on that. Okay, maybe you're a grasper, like I've been. Desperately trying to make things work so that you can still project the person that you feel you need to be. Maybe that's you. And I think this morning, there's this opportunity to get off the hamster wheel, right? So you might say, well, well how do I stop? You don't understand, this is my thing. <laughs> this is me. There's no me without this thing. Yeah, well, one thing you can do is, as we've said, is to come clean. Now, you might think, yeah, I'm going to have that conversation with God about this. Uh-uh, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to do it. Like, we're very slippery people. Um, you're going to have to talk to someone about it. I would suggest talking to someone you can trust. Like, don't, <laughs> don't tweet this. Um, like, but just... Have it, find someone you can trust. It doesn't have to be here this morning. It's just someone this week. 
Find that someone and just go, actually, you know what? I am exhausted and anxious and tired because I have been doing this and doing this and I just want someone else to know this is actually happening in my life. Uh, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. And then if that person knows the grace of God, they can pray with you and you can both go to the cross together and receive that life and resurrection that Steve was talking about at communion. Some of those things feel so dead in us, right? We just start, there's no way life's getting in there, and that's true. It's going to take a resurrection. But Jesus has done that. You know, if, if God wants you to have a good reputation, great. But if God wants you to go through a season where your reputation is destroyed, so be it. Just need to release our reputation to Jesus. Not saying that it isn't important. It's just that you can trust him with it. That's the only safe place for your reputation in his hands. Maybe you're going through the ringer and you've been feeling like God's abandoned you. But maybe he hasn't. Maybe he's actually right in the midst of what you're going through. And maybe one of the things he wants to do in this season for you is to free you from the trap of reputation obsession. And I guess my encouragement to you would be stay in that and sift that with God and don't run away. Go toward him, not away from him. And maybe finally you're a person of real influence. Maybe that's you. And maybe God is using your reputation to open phenomenal doors and do awesome kingdom things. And my encouragement to you would be, steward that well. And know that that is a gift and that is a season that God's bestowed on you. So steward it well. Uh, Jesus didn't grasp at these things, but when we, we get used to our homes and we get used to our, you know, we get very used to these things and start to think that that which was gift is no longer a gift but ours. And I would encourage you just to hold that very loosely. And um, seek his face. All right. Let's do this, right? Let's, let's, I don't know, do we still do this? Let's do it. Hey? Um, you want to stand? Let's do it. We do prayer? We do prayer here? We do prayer. That's good. That's good. I know this. I know this is this is kind of. Hey, you know, I would love to have brought something else, but there it is. Um, um, got Rob gave me the topic, so there it is. Um, this stuff's hard, and I know this stuff is like it's pretty it's pretty deep. So I'm not asking you to come gushing forward and go, "Oh my gosh, I just love myself more than anyone." I mean, it's like I get it. It's fine. Like whatever. But um, but I am encouraging. You, like, be real with God, right? On this. Like he actually, God just, it's like God just pops a green light into our lives, right? And there's the exit. It's like we're in a smoky room, right? And it's like, there's the exit. You can actually exit this thing. You can get off the hamster wheel. He has a way out. And that's, that's his salvation working in our lives, right? So I'm just going to pray just, just for that, for us, that if you're still looking for the exit, that God would show you the green light. And just go, oh, there it is. Release the reputation to him and find the peace of Christ in just that exit, right? And then that God would also just 
just show you that person that, okay, this person's the person to have that safe conversation with. And I know there'd be people, if you're struggling with that, there'd be people here that would love to pray for you this morning about that, but that is not a pressure thing. If you are out, hands off, I'm not doing that with people here, I get that, that's fine. Um, but I'm just saying God is here and there is an exit. Um, and if you're, if you're actually one of those people that, whoa, I've got the, I've got the, I've got the influence, but I'm kinda, I feel like I'm grasping, I'm beginning to grasp, I just need to reset and remember God is God and steward this thing well, great. Love to pray your blessing, get around you and actually pray your blessing on, on your place that God's using you and your influence there. Um, and there were other stuff, I don't know. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come and it's good. Uh, good. Jesus, we, we just want to thank you so much that you're our king. We've sung a lot about that this morning. And be the center. And Jesus, I just ask that you would come now by your spirit and uh, work, do that work of dislodging other things that have taken the center of our hearts. God, just do that dislodging work. And God, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here. If there's fear, God, that we would just remember your goodness. Your immense love for each of us. And your desire to free us. To walk humbly with you. I think if you're, yeah, we do do the vineyard, we use our hands, don't we? And if you, if you have your reputation, if you can, extract it from your heart, <laughs> put it on your hands, and offer it back to God. Even if you're like, oh, no, man, I got this sorted. Do it anyway, humor God. <laughs> just want to encourage you, just put it on your hands and release it. God, have your way. Bring the season that you want to bring into my life, but I'm yours. I'm done grasping this thing. I'm going to release it now, God, to you. And then there's that question, which is always that set free question, is like, what does the Father have, right, to put in that place? And I think, I think we don't understand this, and I don't need, but I think he actually understands. He can place in you a desire for God's glory. And that's a concept that is so theological, it's so bad, that we don't even know what that means anymore. But there's, there's a passion on the bride of Christ for the glory of God that can be received by you. Your heart can change, and you don't even know your heart can change to this extent, but your heart can change where you are actually fundamentally given to the glory of God. And so I just want to pray that, God, I want to pray that blessing on this church, God, that this church will be given to the glory of God again. Just release, release, release this church, God, from the trap of reputation to live for the glory of God. God, great, great passion for Jesus. I want to pray for great passion for Jesus, the bride's heart for Jesus that overcomes any of these stupid other things that we run after, God. Just release that passion again in your bride here. Thank you, Lord. God, I also just want to pray for that, that lie that um, God won't look after my reputation in the way that it needs to be. He, you can trust him with it. You hold it, you'll kill it. 
You release it. He will do what he will do. So I just want to come against that lie in Jesus' name and release the truth of the care of the Father over your life, the goodness of the Father. He says, cast your cares upon him. Cast your reputation upon him. He cares for you. I know this is off topic, but I feel like yeah, there's also just people who are just, anyway, just kids. Just <laughs> grace to release your kids to God too. <laughs> that's, that's what's coming to me. So I know that. And, and kids can actually be a means to our reputation, our funny middle-class existence, can't they? they are. So I just want to pray for that, just freedom for parents here to actually just, just be able to release their kids to God and who they are and what they reflect or don't reflect on us as parents. We just give our kids to you, God. We release them to you. They're yours. We trust them to you. We just, and we, we, we give up. <laughs> and we, we trust them to you, God. Trust our kids to you. there's more to do here so I'm not going to talk because I don't want to distract you but just hang there with God and just 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 track with the Holy Spirit yeah 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 that's good and if you if you have if God's on you and you'd actually like some people to pray for you at this point then feel free to pop your hand up and I know there'll be people that would gather around to pray for you as well. say if this is unfamiliar to you in terms of the Spirit coming on people, that uh, this is just something that Holy Spirit does, makes us make noises or fall down or shake. I uh, just want to reassure you that that is the Holy Spirit touching us and it's nothing to be uh, worried about.
Yeah, I just want to encourage you to just use the faith in the room. Let the faith in the room do the heavy lifting that you can't. Good people that love you, there's faith in the room.